Junior copy of Holly, Stephen King's new suspense novel, now available wherever books are sold. Holly Gibney, one of Stephen King's most compelling and ingeniously resourceful characters, returns in this thrilling novel to solve the gruesome truth behind multiple disappearances in a Midwest town. Hello all you gore fiends and horror hounds, this is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I always am by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good, how's it going? Also joined by Intern Cory, it's an Intern Cory pick, hi Intern Cory! Buongiorno, Chef Boyardee, Del, 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 del Grossos! I got Don't plastic on the furniture! <laughs> but both of you. Both of you. <laughs> bibbidi boobidi no bibbidi my people. <laughs> Why are we talking in Italian, you might say? It's an intern Corey pick, and he decided to pick A Bay of Blood, by uh, directed by Mario Bava, which we, what, like about a year ago, we did Black Sunday, which I've talked about before, of uh, how much I love Black Sunday, how, like, atmospheric it is, very gothic feeling, love the black and white, the uh, carriage scene with him whipping the horse and it's going crazy through the woods standout scene I love rich guys just going around smacking things with their canes and breaking shit be like is that a witch Brah, kill it <laughs> this is very different yes this is quite different from uh, Black Sunday <laughs> extremely also often titled Twitch of the Death Nerve which is such a metal title that title rules it does also sometimes called Carnage and Bloodbath. And for some odd reason in America, Last House on the Left Part 2. Yes, it was. Oh. Because that's a thing. I, sure. uh, even though this came out before Last House on the Left. Thank you, Troy, for that bit of info. Now, Friend of the show, Troy Howarth. Yeah, well, we always can name drop Troy anytime we get a chance. But here's the thing. Bay of Blood is often credited when you're looking at the evolution of the slasher, everyone goes to Bay of Blood because it was like kind of Jalo and slasher combined together, really laid the groundwork like other movies like Black Christmas would do, then Halloween Perfect and all that kind of stuff later on. But I don't think it's quite there yet when people say, oh, it's the first slasher. I think it's laying the groundwork, but I don't think it's there yet. Psycho was before this. Yes. Yeah. This is... This is like the Black Sabbath of slasher films, where it's like, they laid the groundwork, but they're not really the thing yet. Are you insinuating that Black Sabbath is not metal? Are they not the most metal band of all time, Corey? I'm saying when you're the first of something, you can't be the thing. The Sex Pistols were the very first punk Go, band, and fuck they up. were punk as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would storm off like Greg did, but my headphones are on under my mask, and it is a bitch to get them back under there. I will punch you in the face dressed as Joey Ramone for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bay of Blood from 1971. Corey's pick, one of those ones I've never watched. The only Bava movies, I've, if I'm being honest, I've watched are Black Sunday and Blood and Black Lace before. So this one, like, I, I heard all the hype about, like, proto slasher and stuff so i was excited to check it out i couldn't follow this movie to save my life guys everyone looks exactly the same and is dressed almost the same and yep. they really don't even bring names in and they call them like by their first name and their last name different characters at different times dude i'm the note guy do you know how bad this movie is <laughs> for me all you'd need to know is everyone wants to own the bay the Bay is the greatest place in the entire world. It's worth murdering your entire family and strangers over. Exactly. This weird Bay that has squids. Um, I mean, I, I, I picked this movie large because of the Black... Troy talked about it on the Black Sunday episode, and he posts about it a lot on Facebook. So I'm like, you know what? I want to watch it. So I picked it. I liked it. I, I had a fun time with it, but I do agree most of the characters are interchangeable with each other. 
This is no, it's I not feel... a bad movie, but it's it's hard to follow, especially on a first watch. Yeah, this is when I feel that exactly. A lot of times with these movies I've seen for the first time, it's always very interesting to see what I think on the podcast. I feel like I should have watched this two or three times to really get a grasp <laughs> of it. Because watching it the first time is just my big takeaway is everyone loves this bay so much. <laughs> this bay is a magical place, apparently. Dude, they're treating it like it's Disney World and Walt just died and they just put his head underneath the park. And this is all his children fighting over who gets the rights. It's like that level of how much oh, they yeah. want this thing. And then the four random college kids for some reason. Oh, yeah. Yes. The <laughs> Tiny Friday the 13th movie in the middle of Bay of Blood. Yes. Look, can I say that's probably like the least, what's the word I want to say? Like, okay, I just sound stupid. Like the least fancy part of the movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like the lowest brow section, I guess you right. could say the movie. Yes. But is it bad that that's my favorite part of the movie? Is that little section? It's the no. most 80s slasher of the movie. Like, it reminds you of just, like, one of those mid-80s slashers of, like, yeah. let's say Mutilator, where, like, okay, yeah. the story might not be a whole lot, but the kills are really cool. Exactly. Alright, so, Bay of Blood, uh, directed by Mario Bob, I believe written and produced as well. No, and he, did not produce, he did not produce it. But he did uh, film it. Yeah, so he, he did it, he get... wrote it. And he um, he was the cinematographer. Yeah, so he still gets quite a bit of credit. I'm not going to yeah. take that away from the guy. No, he it's got the Mario Bava trifecta. There we go. <laughs> All right. Um, listeners, and especially fans of this movie, apologies off the top for my plot walkthrough that we do. <laughs> it's going to be a little messy from here on out. <laughs> Buckle up, All kids. Right. It's going to be a bumpy ride. We get opening credits as a fly buzzing around. It's unseen, eaten by a fish, and that's all. And there's this lady in a wheelchair who is the head of this family, the mother who owns the bay. And yes. she's in this very nice house, and she's looking at this small little shack across the water. I'm like, well, that's going to come back later at some point. And then, black love killer time. Oh, love it. And this is also, not only is it black love killer time, it's old lady in wheelchair murder time, which has right. become like an ongoing thing on the show of old women in wheelchairs getting killed by our killers. This is a really, this is so creative though, how they do it. I love it because if you're in a wheelchair, your legs don't work. So they put a noose around her, kick the wheelchair out from under her. And she's just, Glah! just hangs there like with or without arms distance where she can't just push herself up. No, she's just, there's nothing she could do. It's just so cool. Great, a great opening death. There, there, there was yeah. some math and physics that went into this kill. Dude, and then Black Love Killer just reveals himself. I'm like, oh, well, that was a quick mystery. And then he's <laughs> killed right then. Black Love Killer, who looks amazingly like an Italian Vincent Price or an Italian J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get to me the pictures out of the Spider-Man. But I love, it's like he's isn't he setting it up? Basically, it's like a suicide. So he yes, can yeah. take over the bay because the old woman won't sell the bay to the contractors that want to put like a resort there and gas stations and liquor stores, all those devilries. Yeah, he does leave a suicide note and everything like that. And then he's stabbed and killed by an unseen figure. I'm like, oh, our real black love killer strikes again. It's that meme where it's just like the guys sit behind the other guy with the gun. There's someone behind them, behind yeah. them. There's a sniper. Oh, yeah. And then if anyone just attended and saw us, if you did, thank you very much. It's Palooza. This couple in bed somewhere else hear a noise. And the guy says it was a squonk. Holy Dude. fucking shit. I thought the squonk was like a relatively new thing to pop culture. I know it was like first reported forever it's ago. It's like the 1800s or something. Yeah, and, uh, but like it just seems recently it's gained more notoriety through memes and everything like that, yeah. to be honest. I did not expect this to pop up here. Especially since a... it is a, Pencil, it's a Pennsylvania-specific cryptid. Like, yeah. Like, it only exists here where we are. 
And they're talking about it in this Italian movie in the 70s. And not yes. only do they just mention it, they go into the lore of it. They basically tell you everything that's known about the squonk, which is like a, a paragraph. Like, but, I should have picked this movie for last month. <laughs> that's what It's insane, like, our timing with this kind of shit. Of like, <laughs> oh, I know it's like, one. it's a little bit removed because I know, like, this will come out a little bit after Squonkapalooza, but it's like within the month, which is insane, yeah. that this weird Pennsylvania like cryptid it's not the jersey devil it's not bigfoot or loch ness monster the squonk and it comes up throughout the movie because it's an inside joke now if they call each other the squonk exactly the squonk is so hideous that it cries to itself (laughs) and he's calling her oh hello my squonk that's an insult dude (laughs) it's covered its skin is gray and it's covered in moles (laughs) if you catch it, it dissolves into tears (laughs) <laughs> but this guy is Frank and this girl is Laura who he's having an affair with I believe but I thought she was just like a one-off character like to set him up as he's kind of a shady dude like all this kind of stuff sex on the side and then she becomes a main character in the last 10 minutes of the movie but we don't see her again until then it's long enough that you kind of almost forget who she was yes oh that's that's with everyone here except like okay. Simon like, I kind of remember because they say his name a lot. And um, Robert. Because at one point, they just run around doing the horror movie thing. Robert! Roberto! Now, look, we know we've talked about Jala movies and stuff before. And, Brett, the thing you like to point out is it's atmospheric. A lot of times, it is style over substance. And that's not an insult. That's, like, what they are. Like, you that's either take I it did. or leave it. That's one of the things I love about this that kind of movie. Yes. Yeah, so when I'm watching an Argento movie or something, a lot of times I'm like, I know what I'm in for here. Like, it doesn't actually even have to really line up all that much. The thing is, this one I can't follow well, but I don't feel like that's the reasoning behind it at all. And I know I'm coming off kind of negative. Apologies. But I don't think it's the style over substance in this movie because it's set up more like your traditional movie, not like one of those kind. And this one was also super low budget. Like, yeah, super low budget. And this this isn't, like you said, at the very beginning, we get a tiny bit of Black Love Killer stuff. Here and there, we get a few shots that remind you of, like, Giallo. But it's not, like, the bathed in, like, neon lights of um, an Argento movie. It's not, like, extremely over-the-top, like a Fulci movie. Like, I guess I wasn't really knowing what Bava would bring, because I've only ever seen his one movie. So... I was expecting like more of like, oh, it just looks really cool and it's atmospheric over story, but it's just wandering around like deserted houses and cabins and like this dirty lake. Man, we're really going to be sacrificing our rating on this one, aren't we? Maybe. (laughs) But So yeah, once again, apologies to all Bava fans. I'm not trying to insult you. It's just... It wasn't exactly a Greg of the Dead movie. Maybe that was it. And like I said, they all just look so much alike. I don't know who's who. I also like. Greg, I said, you be, I feel are you like... being racist towards Italians? I am Italian. <laughs> On multiple viewing, I feel like this is one you can't just watch one time and like dive into it. I wish I would have seen it multiple times. No, I watched this one like three times before we recorded. <laughs> um. But he's going to the bay, Frank. We cut to this guy, Simon, who's fishing. He gets back on shore with his boat, and a couple is spying on him with binoculars, and he meets the bug catcher dude, one of the only... There's only two people who stand out. This dude, Paolo, 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 and Paolo, his wife, the tarot, yeah. the tarot card lady. And they're set up to be kind of the creepy ones. He's the yeah. bug catcher who's stabbing moths to things. She's into all this spooky shit. And they're the only, like... I guess good ones on this entire like Bay Area. I think they're the only ones who didn't kill anybody in this movie. In the I, I love that Paul is after like one specific bug. Like yes. this is like his white whale of like oh you must remember me from last year. Not like bugs live like two weeks and die immediately. And I love that the wife has a little quirk that she hiccups every once in a while, which I guess means she's a drunk. Yes. And I love the fact that Simon just straight up grabs a 
like a squid or octopus out of whatever and just bites its head, gets mad at it, and chucks it back into the water for no reason. He's, like, flinging it around and stuff because at one point he starts giving Paul, like, shit about, like, how all you do, like, your hobby is you just kill bugs and blah, blah, blah. It's so morbid. It's like, well, that octopus was alive. Also, they're very intelligent. Octopuses are super intelligent. He starts lecturing our bug guy is like, if you kill for killing's sake, you become a monster. Here, let me just destroy this, like, cephalopod and throw it into the water. Well, I love he goes like, well, at least I will eat this octopus, which I imagine Greg during that part is like, how can you eat that slimy thing? It is actually pretty good. It's just kind of chewy. Yeah, octopus can be chewy. disgusting. It's gross. But <laughs> they're talking about, was it a murder or suicide? Frank calls someone and says he'll have the property signed over tonight. So now at this point, I'm like, oh, is Frank like a legal worker who's like a notary or something like that? He was just getting everything signed. I don't know what's going on. I think Frank might be some kind of like lawyer slash architect. Slash murderer. Slash murder. Actually, technically, Frank didn't kill anybody. He set the whole thing up. Yeah, true. But... Next, we get our young kids driving around being hooligans. There's four of them. Two guys. I, two I just put them down as meddling kids because they show up in the most Scooby Doo of fashions oh, in their they, buggy. They have like their dune buggy and they drive through a puddle. They're like, whoa, man, that was radical. We should do that again. And they circle around, go through the tiny puddle. But they're like, do a donut and then just immediately stop in front of like a house or a business or something. Like, Hey, you assholes, like, why are you doing donuts in front of my property? Like, the weakest donut ever. <laughs> yeah. So this house they go to is one we come back to later in the movie. It's where Simon's walking around at the end and everything. But I have a huge question is, what is this property? Is this the, like, the mother's house above it? But it looked abandoned to me. No, this is, um, f- from multiple watchings, I gathered that, uh, the... The the countess's husband and Frank had already tried once to develop the bay, and they had built like a gas station and a nightclub. The biz, they pull up in front of the old gas station, and then they find the nightclub. Oh, those devil trees! Sense. Gas stations, nightclubs, things to do after seven p.m. <laughs> Kids these days. <laughs> They go to the water, then they go into this hotel club-like place, and they go to the dance floor and just dance around for a while to no music, you know. Just because it's the No, they have music. And... That's what um Brumhilda, the, the Viking lady, that black Ooh. thing she was carrying, that was an old cassette player. Well, why didn't we hear the music? Because it wasn't mixed very well, Greg. <laughs> I love it's like these two guys, they found like a German and like a Swedish person. Like these girls, and they're just like French, that's right. Um, and they're just like, Well, you take the German one, and I'll take the French one. And then he starts being like, Why are you hanging around my French one? Go get your German one, she's in the lake, dude. The the skinny dipping German girl, Brimhilda, she, she's Redhead. drop dead gorgeous. And Redhead. here's the thing the guy who's supposed to be paired off with her starts hitting on the other girl, and the guy who's paired with other girls, like, Hey. You said you'd take the crowd. Like, she's some hideous sea monster or something. I'm like, what is going on here? Very mean to Broomhilda for no reason. I am swimming from one end of that bay to the other with that woman if she wants me to. (laughs) That gorgeous red hair. Come on. But someone's watching them, like, from a distance, but... That's all. Um, Cutting back to our tarot lady we mentioned earlier. She's reading her cards. She looks out the window to the bay, and she says, The sickle of death is about to strike. Uh, The sickle of death is about to strike. (laughs) But Brimhilda has a prolonged skinny dipping scene, and this Johnny Ramone looking guy crawls through the window, and this is where we said he's mad that the other guy is hitting on his lady and everything. Well, because, like, at one point, like, He's like, yeah, dude, what are you doing here? Like, you said you take the other one. Um, and they, they send, like, him out to go get wood. And it, at, like, the 30 seconds he's gone, the 
French lady's like, where did Robert go? And he's like, I don't know. And he like grabs her into the other room. Like the second he's gone, it's like, Robert, get the fuck out of here, man. It's like, Guinea. It's like, I just like to watch you guys. The, uh, I mean, the French lady very clearly does not want to be alone with other friend. Like she's pulling Robert along for dear life. Save me. And they break the house they break into here. That's it's Frank's house. That's what that's also a thing here of they're treating as like, oh, teehee, this is just good, like young fun. They're breaking into a person's furnished house. This isn't a rundown house that like is abandoned. There's books on the shelves. There's There's plastic on the furniture. There's plastic on the furniture. This is a fancy place. Oh. Um, but it's like clean and everything. This is just like breaking into someone's like summer cottage and they're just like, Oh, it's fine. They just went out for groceries and you're like, it's abandoned. Yeah. They could be back any minute. It looks like. Like this house is ready for vacationers to come to it. Rimhilda's swimming. Remember at this part and she gets caught on a rope that's in the water. She pulls it loose and a dead bloated body just floats up to the top and kind of like grabs her like it just kind of like touches her weird but it's like the zombies getting her he touches the tushi he does yeah it's so funny the dead body touches her butt and then she's like ah dead body also have you ever been in like a lake or something you're swimming and like a net or a rope will touch your leg it's like the creepiest thing in the world it's like i'm done for the day i'm gonna go home yeah yeah all the time yeah, I'm mean, gonna always last on a fish. Like it could be the smallest fish in the world. It touches me though. In my mind, that's Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> I once let little fishies eat the dead skin off my feet. Yeah, that was weird. And then you <laughs> eat the fish that eat the toes. It's odd. I didn't eat the fish that ate my toes. So but you eat other fish, and they could grow up to be those fish. So intercory is a cannibal. Yes. Well, yeah. But she runs, obviously, after finding this dead body, and she can't find the others, and she starts being chased by someone we don't see, and they have this, what is this kind of weapon called? It's called a hawk's beak machete. Thank you. Um, I also want to real quick mention, she's so dumb, she could have run away and been fine, but no, she's got to stop and put clothes on, which literally the clothes are like, like, are against her. Because she keeps, like, tripping over them. She has to keep, like, fucking with the clothes to keep, like, the top on and stuff. At one point, she's running away. I don't know why it's funny. It's just her butt. (laughs) Just running away. (laughs) If if I'm ever scared and I have to run, I'm always naked. Helps with the aerodynamics. (laughs) Yeah, and who wants to tackle a naked Greg? Exactly. (laughs) Someone someone out there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, she gets hit with this... The, the fancy machete Corey said. I don't remember what it's called already. Hoxbeetle machete. It comes around and like gets her in the throat, kills her. It's a spaghetti and... machete because it's Italian. Oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> the loner guy opens the door and gets slashed right in the face. Really cool kill, actually. Like yeah. what we see in a lot of slashers later on, right to the forehead and everything. Oh, Friday the 13th part four. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth definitely liked this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's several Friday the Thirteenth kills in this movie. Um, I was reading they actually to do that scene, they just cut the knife to the profile of that guy's face and like basically just glued it onto him. Yeah, oh, it's so like, like the the when you have like the costumes you can buy that looks like you're cutting the head and you take it off. It's like a headband. Well, it's like uh, the Savini trick in, like, Dawn of the Dead. When he machetes the zombie, it just fits to his head, and then you reverse the yeah. film and pull it away. Yep. That's that's what they did here. But the other two are having sex, and the POV killer impales them both through the back. And this is the definitely the death of the movie part two. That, everyone knows it, that everyone knows it by. And Friday the 13th Part 2, like you said, definitely ripped it off. Had the greatest couple in horror movie history's death. Red and Mandy would like a word. That was well. It, let's say Friday the Thirteenth okay. franchise. Okay. There's not a lot of competition. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm oh, sorry, Red and Mandy are forever. 
They are. Their, their love. I cannot speak about their love for just a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you get a nice scenic sunset on the bay shot as the terror lady can't find her husband and you just see stabbed roaches on his little board there and someone drives these young hooligans cars away. We don't know who it is. All right. Here's where my notes, if you see here, literally have 10 names pointing and question marks and cross outs <laughs> and everything. I told you, this was a doozy for me, guys. But out and Rennie. The tiny Friday the 13th movie inside this movie, now that's over. Because at this yes. point, I'm like, oh, are these going to be our like people that we follow? No, we, they are immediately killed. And it's like, oh, how much movie is left? No, our, our, our meddling kids got done meddled on out. Because they didn't have a talking dog with them. Exactly. Got to have a talking dog. Or you but die. Albert and Rennie. Rennie is the daughter of the father, the husband who was killed at the beginning, but not the mother. So she, she was had separate. They see why I'm confused, guys. And her Italian husband, Vincent Pri- It's Italian Vincent Price's daughter. Yes. 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 <laughs> they question the terror lady about the suicide, and they say they don't think it was suicide and everything. They learn Frederica, the dead mother, had an illegitimate son who lives in a shack on the bay. Me, not following Will, did not realize we were already introduced to this man. It's Simon the Fisherman. Oh, okay. Yeah, me neither. I didn't get that till now. Simon the Squid Biter. Yes. Oh, so the guy that uh, like bites living animals, he's our killer? Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> The two leave, and the terror lady questions Paulo about his injured hand, and he doesn't really answer. Frank is talking to Simon, and they see someone in the woods watching them, and then this is where he calls back to Laura and says, Is that you, my squonk? Again, just the worst <laughs> thing you can call a lady. A boo-hoo-hoo! I'm so ugly! I'm gonna start calling you guys my squonks. Oh, who's the one that wears the mask? Oh, it's me, because I'm hideous. Yeah, exactly. I'm not afraid to show my face. Me, the guy who refuses to do video. But... <laughs> I want to do video, people. I, I, I think I think Brett's the only one of us that's comfortable with showing his face on camera. Listen, I'm kind of ugly, okay? You're like, I'm great. <laughs> I wear a mask. But <laughs> People are talking on the pier, Rennie, Albert, and Simon, I believe, and they or, yes. I don't remember who they're talking about, but they find the father's corpse and an octopus in the boat. This peels the octopus off the face and chucks it in the water. I love this is all during. They're like questioning him. And he's like, I don't know where the dad is. And then like a tentacle comes out and she must be into some stuff because she's like, oh, I wonder where this goes. Maybe I'll dump this guy and, uh go with this little uh, octopus here in the boat. Oh, god damn it, it's my dead dad. It's already fucking him. <laughs> but it's like, pulls back the blanket, or whatever, like the covering, and it's just like, ha-ha! There's the dead dad! Explain yourself! He's like, um, I found him. Cthulhu saves the day once again! <laughs> I think he's telling the truth, though, because remember, the dad's body was tied down in the water, Brimhilda, like, got caught on the rope, loosened it, sent him to the surface. I think he did find him. Yeah, after it, it came loose by Brimhilda, after he threw it there. He was just trying to get a little finger action from the German. <laughs> Simon is the one who put the body in the water. The daughter finds the dead young people, Rennie, in the in a tub. And there's just an axe the guy room. there? In the what? In the body room. They they move oh, yeah. the bodies to the body room, like every other 80s slasher. And then there's a dude with an axe. She barricades herself in the bathroom, and she stabs him through the glass door and gets the guy who's trying to kill her. He's just trying to axe her a question. Yeah, he's axing her what she's doing in his house, because this is Frank. But I do love the stab through the window into his leg. That's what Italian movies do, like, little clever things like that. That you don't really see in American movies all the time. Of, like, a lot of times the Americans, they just, they're like, oh, okay, I'm dead, whatever. 
my student loans are so horrible. Yeah, go ahead and kill me. Don't care. <laughs> at least the Italians fight back. They're like, I got that, that good sauce at home. Mama making the good sauce and the spaghetti. I got to get home to the good sauce and the spaghetti. With a nice prosciutto. <laughs> yeah, I can't relate. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, eh, yeah, you know what? It's a lot of bills you want to pay then. <laughs> Paulo's looking for Tara wife and he's told she was headed to the bay and he goes to Simon's shack Paolo sneaks into a house and starts calling the police but he's strangled by the phone cord by Albert, Rennie's husband Squonk woman Laura is at a gas station makes a call, no answer Tara woman finds a body with a cut on the hip was, was this person this murdered was through the hip? No, that, oh, was Frank, Frank. that was Frank's body, because that was the, the, the leg stab. Yes, that's right. And another decapitate with an axe. Dude, I sound like I'm running through. I'm sorry, but... This was a nice decapitation, though. Like, I like the effect on the ca- decapitation. Because it, it wasn't is- just, like, a clean-cut stump. It was, like, ragged. It is really great, because it's not even, like... Um, well, I know there's the one, I don't know if we're talking about the same one, but I know the one girl gets like her throat cut and then like slash the back of her throat. And yeah. then she does a great, like, uh, 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 that was, like, uh, from Hilda. That was yeah. from Hilda. Um, okay. and a little, little factoid from Troy, the guy that went on to do that did the special effects in this movie went on to do the 1976 King Kong movie after Bava turned that movie down. And then went on to, which led to him doing the special effects for Close Encounters of the Third Time, Third Kind, and Brett's favorite movie, E.T. Oh, fuck E.T. Are you talking about Walt Flanagan's favorite King Kong, the 70s King Kong? Maybe. I don't know your Tell Him Steve Dave references. Yes, I am. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't listened to that show since like 2018. But Albert and Rennie are talking, letting us know there are villains right here. I have no intention on losing the bay right now. And they have to get rid of Simon. And they see him on a pier on the pier dumping a body. There is no good character in this movie. Not one. The fortune teller and the entomologist. True. This, like Sopranos are the or like breaking bad. Where like every character is just horrible people. Laura shows up and finds injured Frank, and he tells her to find Simon. She goes to Simon's shack, and she thinks she's behind the murder of the mother, and we get our flashback. It was all Ventura's idea. Ventura is Frank. This is confusion. Why are you doing this to me, movie? (laughs) Is he a pet detective? Ah. You get a flashback to them trying to get the rights to the bay and getting shot down. Then they plan to fake her suicide when they're reading her journal one day when she's depressed. And they have Donati kill her and then sign the bay to them. Simon's about to kill her. And she's very smart and grabs the boiling water. Well, she grabs the pot. You can't grab boiling water. There is so much right here. It just becomes everyone's plotting to somehow own this bay. Everyone just wants the bay. They're going to build skyscrapers i don't want skyscrapers built no we're make millions no it's we got to preserve the nature um they also like they're setting up this whole pot of water thing where like they show it a few times then we cut away and kind of do another thing for a minute and cut back and she's still like pinned against the wall basically right beside the boiling pot of water and then finally she sees it and i'm like motherfucker just throw the fucking water on the motherfucker because i you're setting it up i know what you're gonna do finally she does it it stuns him for like a second and also well you should have kept the pot because how hot is that motherfucker burn his face hostile him where his eyes melting off but you know, by the end of this, I wanted the bay. I'm like, like if this bay, if everybody wants it this bad, this bay must be fucking magical. I wanted the goddamn bay. I mean, it just happens to be the best octopus fishing spot around. That's really all there is to it. I just put it into like my point of view of like, there's a lake I love to go to a lot. I was like, well, maybe let's say the lake was for sale. I'd like to own the whole lake, but then do I really want to have all that burden? No. 
I'll know. just go to it and swim with my beers yeah. and I'll be fine. Exactly. No one's saying these people can't go to the bay. You just can't have it. You can't build giant skyscrapers and make it a resort. Also, they've tried to do this. The movie has set up. This has been tried before and it failed. Why are you going to be the one that gets it to work? Like every small town has that restaurant in town that like every like year or six months, it's a brand new restaurant. Why do you think you're going to be the one that gets like through to the people? (laughs) And not only are they like, you know, it's been tried once and failed. It's been tried once by the exact same people that are trying to try it again. <laughs> Legitimate question. Did it open or did they tr- start building it and it was shut down before it could actually open by the the owner? That I don't. That's never established. I got that it never opened. Like they were trying and maybe it opened a tiny bit, but not and actually. She shut it down. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it actually might work if they had the rights to actually run it. I think that's the difference. Maybe. Wheelchair old lady's gone. She seems to be the major component of, like, let's keep this natural bay. Yeah. But Simon ends up strangling Laura even after her pot attack and strangles her to death. He gets some melancholy music playing as Simon walks around the property. He gets to the place where our four were killed earlier, our four teens. And he's having a flashback to Frank having Simon sign over the property after finding the bodies. Like, is he trying to blackmail him? I think so, yeah. It's just so much of, like, now the property belongs to this person. But now this person, if this person dies, they own it. It gets so, like, I don't know who anyone is or where we're at in the story. They just, are... Everyone everyone wants the bay, the, the, the water, this poor water. It's just trying to be water and it flaps up against the shore and stuff. It doesn't mean, mean to be causing all this death. I mean, they try to interject a whole lot of plot into like the last like 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah. They're like, oh crap, we forgot to tell a story. The psycho narrator wanders out. You may be wondering what's going here. <laughs> but honestly, this is my favorite. This is also like my second favorite part is actually this last home stretch is actually pretty good and tense and everything. Cause mm-hmm. Simon walks out and he's speared by Albert, like really like brutal and everything right in the chest. And Albert and Rennie are searching for the document. They find it. And then the lights go out. Frank attacks and there's a fight. And I thought he was, going to kill Albert here and the lights would stay off and Rennie was thinking it was him but maybe too obvious nope Albert ends up killing Frank here anyway Rennie and Albert did it guys they killed everyone the bay is theirs it's all theirs it's the next morning they have some quick little line about like uh like we don't have to worry about the legal trouble with any of it okay I guess Let's let's let the cops clean it up and come back in a few days. Oh, you mean, um, everyone down the line to you who owned the bay suddenly died, but now you guys didn't die. Now you own the bay. Oh yeah, that's fine. That was a coincidence. (laughs) Bad weekend. Hi guys. Sorry for your loss. All right. Before we get into this, I want to ask both of you guys, because we get an ending. I don't want to get into the ending yet. Is there a better way to end it? Because my original thoughts with this ending is, I don't like that. And then I sat and tried to think, like, well, how the hell would I end it? And I won't lie, I don't have anything better. Is there, like, an alternate besides this? No. I I enjoyed the ending. I thought it was funny. I legit thought it was the kids being like, I want to own the bay. I want to fill the bay with chocolate milk. I would like that better. I would make the same pixie sticks. If the kids somehow read the will and realized they were next in line, I would have loved that. Like, the greed went that far down. I would have loved that, to be honest. I legit fucking thought that's what was happening. Of the kids are like, now we own the bay. It's ours. It's like when Cartman, like, bought the amusement park. And it's just him. Only we can swim here. But what happens is... The their son and daughter pop up and go, Mommy, Daddy, from a camper, and shoot them with the shotgun that they think is a toy gun. And they even have a line at, Wow, they're really good at playing dead. 
Children, what toy gun have you ever fired that has that kind of recoil and your young shoulder is now bruised? Dude, I if I shot a shotgun at my age, it's going to hurt my shoulder. They're going to fly back and hit the wall of that camper. Because it's a, it's a double... It's a double barrel shotgun. They pull both barrels at the same time, which you are not supposed to do because it will fuck your shoulder up. <laughs> and they go, they're great at playing dead. Let's go down to the bay and play as they skip off. I want the scene an hour after this. When they come back uh, up, hey, they start poking their parents with a stick. Hey, we're hungry. Um, <laughs> can you make me mac and cheese and peanut jelly? Mom and dad? <laughs> Um, the little girl, uh, according to Troy, went on to play in Deep Red. Oh, cool. I'm pretty sure Troy Howard definitely has books about Mario Bava out there somewhere. And Dario Argento and Fulci, which are all available for purchase. Love you, Troy. Um, I think the, is the girl the one who goes on to be the girl in Deep Red, or am I thinking of opera? You know what no, I'm talking about, so I'm, I'm wrong. Never mind. It's deep red. It's deep red. I mean, I've never seen deep red because I can never I find a good it. English translation of it. Like, it's on Shutter if you need it. It's not bad on there. Oh, yeah. okay. I'll I'll check the Shutter one out then. All right, and that's the end of a Bay of Blood. And we get our bounce. We so, get our bouncy Italian horror movie music. Yes. Like. I love the music in Italian horror movies. That's might be my favorite part about them is I, I love Fabio Frizzi. I love Goblin. I love, uh, whoever did this one. I do love Goblin. I can listen to Goblin all day. I do listen to Goblin all day a lot. All right. Any final thoughts from you guys? That bay sure is bloody. It is. Um, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would, but I definitely liked it. Do you guys think, like, let's talk about, like, a modern horror audience here. Because this movie does have, like, some historical merit to it. You know what I mean? How, Mm -hmm. if you want to trace, like, the slasher back and everything. Do you think this is worth, like, modern audiences checking out today? Absolutely. I would say yes for... Kind of like seeing where everything kind of started and like where they got some of the tropes from here and there. It's not as polished and as like slasheristic as the 80s got where they got it perfect. But you could see the little building blocks here and there. Um, If you're really into um, real estate and legally who owns what um, after people are brutally murdered or suicided, um, you'll love this movie. Oh, you're going to fucking love this movie if you're into all that. I think I'm going more with you. Like, I think on a historical perspective, it is to the casual audience, though. I don't think I could recommend this to my friends who like horror movies, but no more than any other genre. But they just like movies. They like the good horror movie. I don't think I could recommend A Bay of Blood to them, to be honest. If you're someone who's listening to a horror podcast, you obviously fall into the category, I'd assume, yeah, it's worth checking out. Yeah, Yeah, but like the guy that saw my Evil Dead t-shirt at the beer distributor today and was like, I don't think I've ever seen Evil Dead 2. I would not recommend Bay of Blood to him. No. Exactly. No. Yeah, you gotta go a few layers deep till I think you're gonna enjoy Bay of Blood. Yeah. Like... We st- I started watching it with uh, Mrs. Intern Corey. This was not a movie for Mrs. Intern Corey. <laughs> All right. Um, you guys ready for some Count of the Dead? Yeah, let's get into the Count of the Dead. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. It's Robin Hood Count of the Dead. where we tally up all the deaths in the movie. Where do you guys think we got with A Bay of Blood or Twitch of the Death Nerve or the other 20 titles? Where do you think we are? 13. I'll say 14. If you look at the back of the cover of the VHS or DVD, they ruin this because they say 13 bodies float in the bay, which means yep. intern Corey got it correct. It was also all over, like, I was reading some, like, the history and promotional stuff for the movie, and they did say the the, the original concept was 13 deaths. Ah. Oh, so a cheater, I see. Oh, looking up. Researcher. 
Hmm. Hey, when Research. I'd write down the math problems from the period who took the test before me, I was just researching. This is just me off the top of my head here. This is Corey doing research. That's Greg's I'm an, job. I'm an intern. All jobs are my job, apparently. <laughs> That's Greg's Scout of the Dead. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Now we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. So basically, I'll take something from the movie and I'll rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Now come up with that thing right now. All right, so this whole movie is about the bay, and yes. the bay that everyone's like, "Oh, this bay is going to be so profitable." Um, so we're going to do like, and a lot of times in bays, there's just water, right? Like, yeah, there's going to be water in the bay. Uh huh. So we're going to do what's the bay filled with? Okay. So a number one version of the something the bay would be filled with, and you're trying to sell this thing. You're trying to put a resort. You're trying to do all that. Um, just sardine juice. Like when you open up the can and you just dump that little bit of like juice out of it. It's just nothing but that in the bay. Grody. Question. Yeah. Isn't sardine juice probably already in the bay? Well, no, but that's it's also mixed with water. Pure sardine juice. That's all that's in the in this bay. I stand that's corrected. bad. That's bad. Yeah, very salty, very, very fishy. Greg's going to hate this. Can I go on my seafood rant for a quick second? Sure. sure. Long-time listeners know of the show know I don't eat anything that comes out of the water because it's fucking disgusting. However, I feel like sardines are an extra level of disgusting. <laughs> if you eat a hamburger, it's unrecognizable if I would hold that up next to a cow. I don't, you know what I mean? That doesn't look the same in the slightest. A sardine is the same as what you eat as what swims in the water, which I find to be the most disgusting version of the disgusting foods. Have you guys, legit question, have you guys eaten this? I have, yeah. I don't like them, but I've tried them. I like sardines. You have to, like, debone them. We were talking about the dude who bites the head off of octopuses like he's a fucking freak. But you guys are eating, like, the, the fish right out of the water. I said I tried it. I didn't say I eat them. Brett's definitely more guilty than you. Don't You're you're in the clear, Corey. But still, you have a little bit of guilt here. I like them. I will legit get anchovies on a pizza. Um, I had a job the one time where my boss kept stealing my food that I left at work. So all I would leave was sardines and Vienna sausages because no one would eat those, but I would. And if the one guy got too annoying, he hated the smell of sardines. So I would open up the can. He'd go outside. It was funny. If you ever do that around me, that's the final episode of throbbing of horror is whatever was last recorded. The sardine episode. I yes. mean, I, I do enjoy a nice Vienna sausage though. I'm sorry to put you on a rant in the middle of Dimension Z ratings, but I had to ask since you brought it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was for you, Greg. Okay. Um, a number 10 version of what the bay would be filled with is just, like, really good pure water. It's kind of like, it's, like, crystal clear. Because <laughs> um, I was even thinking, like, oh, beer, but that's going to go bad in the sun and stink. Like, chocolate, that also, it's not going to be great. So just nice, good water. Yeah, yeah, water really is the best thing to fill a body of water with. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Oddly enough, yes. I'm going to go for Bay of Blood right in the middle. I'm going to go five out of five. I feel like to give it like a really, really legit score, I need to watch it like again and maybe another time after that. But after this first time, it was all right. It had some cool, like, cool kills in it. Um, it's a lot of property disputes, which I'm not used to in my horror movie, but it was fun. You know, I would watch it again. I definitely want to watch this again is what I want to say with that score. Okay. Um, I mean, this did definitely start the very underserved genre of horror, real estate horror. <laughs> also in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation, real estate horror. Actually, not that uncommon when you think about the haunted house. I guess not. We haven't been able to sell this house in forever. Like, that's actually a pretty 
well-served genre of horror. Yeah, now, now I think about it, yeah. But um, I did watch this a couple times in, in preparation for the episode. Um, I'm going to go a little higher than Brett. I'm going to go six and a half. Okay. Okay, respectable. Um, I'm right in line with my cohort from Dimension Z. I also went five things to fill, like, a bay up with out of ten as well. Pretty much what you said. I, I do respect this movie, and I people are going to be like, Greg, you shit-talked it the whole episode. I have to be funny, and I'm more cranky because I'm the note guy watching this movie. <laughs> so, like, it, it was frustrating for me to watch. I think some of that frustration would ease up on a second watch, but even keeping that in mind, I just think some of the pacing was off, some of the character stuff. Like, it, it didn't do anything to get me, like... Oh wow! But it also didn't get me anything to go where I went. Fuck this! It like you know, five out of ten. Like I didn't know who really anyone was. I remember yeah. Simon and Robert because they said their names a lot. And then there's the German lady. <laughs> Brett will remember because I told you I broke this movie into halves and I started it and I and it was right after that whole like the four young kids getting killed and everything. And I said this is really good. That Corey, I can never doubt him. And then I came back, and my second half, I'm like, oh boy, did I yeah. put on a different movie? And then the last like, 10, 15 minutes picked up where I was like, oh, well done and everything. So it was an odd like roller coaster ride for me watching. This was this like this was another bl- basically blind pick for me because yeah, I had remembered no, Troy. Ta- I had remembered Troy talking about it, and I'm like, eh, let's give this. We haven't covered. Uh, an Italian in a while, so you know, let's give this one a shot. And I'm, yeah. I'm not upset. I'm. This isn't like I'm not upset that I picked this one at all. No, it's not on the slate. This isn't like what was your one? Uh, Suspiria 2018, or the like, yeah, This wasn't. This wasn't Suspiria 2018 that I blind picked. I liked Suspiria 2018. I know you did. Uh, and I didn't is... hate. I didn't hate that one. I just didn't like it as much as I liked the first Suspiria or much at all. Well, unless you guys have anything else, man. No, I'm good. I'm good. Well, we hope that the Bay of Blood has left your brain throbbing with horror. Oh! Well, wasn't that a wild and wacky episode? If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Um, you can also support the show by going onto our Tee Public site and checking out any kinds of the merch that we have on there. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that TikTok thing those kids are on, and YouTube. Just search Throbbing with Horror and look for our pumpkin. And remember to throb on.